Alright, hey everyone, it is 104 and, and we're just going to get uh, right on, on track here. Uh, I know we'll have some people coming in, obviously coming from lunch. Uh, this is my giant podium that I'll be using for today that is equipped with the um, overhead projector and my computer. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Nate Ortiz. I have the great privilege of being the uh, district youth director or the network youth director here in Ohio. Um, I've been in this role for about five years. I've been in youth ministry for 15, and um, I love, 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 love what I do. I consider it a great honor uh, to serve young people. I can assure you um, in this session, um, I value uh, just, uh, you know, like the open uh, topics and conversations that we would have. And so I will say this as we hop into this, um, if there's any questions you have, please like write them down. I just was like, oh, like I'll wait to the end. I want to give enough time to really have some deeper conversation about some of these things. As youth pastors, youth ministers, youth leaders, I want to let you know that you are living in such a unique time to do youth ministry on so many different levels. And I, I'll kind of break this down of what this looks like. But obviously, this one is called uh, this session is called the Word Culture and Youth Ministry. Um, there are just so many different things that are factoring what youth ministry looks like today. I would love to stand up here and tell you, like, this is the silver bullet for youth ministry. If you do these things, you will be successful, right? And make it just sound like some pyramid scheme. You know, it's like, if you want to get rich today, here's how you do it, right? Uh, but this is really about how do we equip this generation for what they're currently facing right now. I, I am a, a, a huge uh, believer in this, that... I started youth ministry when I was, um, you know, 19 years old, uh, like leading, and now I am the ripe age of, <clears throat> and so things have changed, things have changed, and when you're younger in youth ministry, there's an element that you connect with kids because they, they, you look like them on some levels, right? Um, you know, they're like, hey, this person knows the people I'm talking about, this and this, and I'm like, I can't tell you any great rappers that are out there right now, but if you want me to sing any uh, theme song for any popular children's television show, I got you. I got you. It's in here. All the lyrics, motions, I'm here for it. And so what we're saying is in this season is how, how do we really love students to follow after Jesus Christ? And so we're seeing uh, lots of different things um, that, that factor into that. And so I'm going to provide some resources at the end of our discussion. Um, but what I want to encourage you with in this is as you lead youth ministry, if you are looking, I'm just going to be very honest in this session and because I, I want you to feel like equipped for youth ministry. Your best resource in youth ministry is going to be relationships. Like hands down, if you don't have other, I'm, and I'm talking like friends, like you can call them on the phone or you can go check them out and what they're doing in youth ministry. Um, you need to find those people, like 100%. So I'm not, I don't say that to be buzzwords, like, no, your relationship is the key, guys, right? No one would disagree. Everyone's like, being an island is on, you know, the best, right, okay? But what I'm saying is that'll be your best resource of talking to people just to say, like, like what are you doing? In youth culture, it's hard to find, like, discipleship programs or different things because our the, the culture that we minister to just it's always it's changing at a rapid speed you know the example that i like to give is like you know it's crazy to think that something you know, like this is, i'm gonna sound really old when i say this so that's totally fine with that but it's like 
when I look at Vine, right? Like when Vine was first started, like Vine was like, people were like, that was popular. Like, oh, like this famous Vine or that was thing. It doesn't even exist no more. Now, right, we have TikTok. And do you know what this old man says? It's the same thing. It's this, how can, like if I was like the owner of Vine, I'd be like, what? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like literally, it was the same thing. Wake up, America. Like I'd be the guy with, you know, like the cardboard side. If you see that meme, it's like Vine and TikTok are the same. Um, it's, but this is the culture that we, we, we live in and that it's always changing. It's always moving. So if you look for youth curriculum that's saying like, is this it? I can assure you it's either going to be good for a little bit of time and your kids will binge, right? This is what they do. They binge content. They don't watch shows. They watch series. So when Stranger Things comes out, they're like, I watched it all last night. Like you watched the whole thing. Yup. I was up till 2 a.m. It's like, okay. All right. You know, um, right. When, when for the majority of us, we grew up, it was like, oh yeah, the show comes on at Wednesday at six o'clock or, you know, or the show comes on at Friday night, TGIF. Yes. Urkel and all that. I'm sorry. The youth group. Sorry. for <laughs> That's what it was. But now it's just totally different. So when you get this content to them, prepare for them to binge it and devour it and saying, what do you have next? And sometimes a youth pastor's like, that, that, like, that took me a while to find that. Or like, I worked really hard on that and you need more like that would kill me. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know if I can devote any more time. And so. So you either have like that side. So if you find something, go binge it quick, or you find something and it feels just a, a hair out of touch. It feels like, right? You can't make, you know, that's, it's, it's like the double-edged sword. Youth ministry is built on culture and what's happening now. But at the same time, if you make cultural references to things, it could be outdated by the end of the month. It's like, I, I remember, you know, the, um, I had one youth pastor, he was telling me, you know, he, he was my age and he was like, I showed, it was Thanksgiving time, this is past Thanksgiving, he was like, it was Thanksgiving time, I showed that video of, I think it was like a Shirley Caesar, uh, where she, you know, she's like, you know, we're gonna have games, potatoes, you know, like that year, you guys ever see that, you know, yeah, and he was like, none of the kids laughed, they were like, what is this, I was like, dang, rough crowd, rough crowd, right, but like, it was, it was outdated, it was, it was, it was done, it was dead, and so, as we minister to teenagers, um, I want to go over some quick, so Gen Z, so Gen Z, this is the demographic of people we minister to. I also want to put a disclaimer. I'm not the person because I read a statistic. I'm like, that's everybody. Like, you know, right? It, it's, it's, it's a tool. It's a tool, okay? It's not gospel. It's not the Bible. It is um, a tool. And, so, and I'm sorry, this um, email thing keeps popping up literally. Like, please get on our internet. It's not, it's not going away. All right, there we go. Um. It's a tool, right? With anything, whether you're doing like personality tests, like the disc profile or the Enneagram, right? It's like, what are you, a three or a one or a seven? Ooh, you know, right? It's, it's a tool, right? That's not saying, well, you know, I'm a seven. You know, we're just crazy and wild, I like to party, right? It helps just you understand some certain things. So these stats here that we're gonna talk about are just really to help us understand different things. So Gen Z, that means you were born from 95 to 2012. So that is Gen Zers. And so millennials, the generations before that, like I am a millennial. And, you know, there's times where I am quickly reminded of like, wow, I'm just, I'm just a old person to some of these people, right? You know, you have conversations with a Gen Zer, right? If you're a millennial, you can ask a question like, where were you when 9-11 happened? And you say, I, rem I remember where I was. I was in my U.S. government class. Gen Z, like, I don't know. I was six. It's like, oh, gosh. You know, like, you're, it, it's, it's, it's different. And so, um, so for, so for, with that being said, um, 
Generation Z is the youngest, most, most ethnically diverse and largest generation in American history. And Gen Z, this is the one of the keystone differences, is they have grown up on technology. The, they do not know a time without a smartphone or the internet. For some of those who are millennials, right, we remember getting your AOL disc in the mail for your thousand free hours and, and broadband internet, and, and it was like, that was cutting edge. That was cutting edge. Now people, I mean, I, who remembers playing a snake on their phone? Like, that was the only game that you had. It was, like, bless God, those Nokia bricks. Come on. Like, that was... That was us. I mean, now it's like kids are like anything on their phone. They have these mini computers um, in their phone. And not only is it like this mini computer, but it is access to the world. That's really what it is. And the example I like to give is, you know, we, we, it, it's the reality that kids are living in. You know, so if you want to look, we'll, we'll use a, a topic like, you know, if, if someone had, you know, you know, growing up, right, to, to put your hands on, a, you know, for a young man, like, like, to put your hands on some, you know, Playboy magazine or something, like, oh, like, I have a, my, my brother's cousin has one, like, if we go over his house, no one says, I could put up on my phone right now. And teenagers are just secondhand to that stuff that's going on around them, that someone could walk up and say, hey, look at this. Someone could play something and they're hearing it and they're just, in a public space. This is the world we live in. We have to help these young people coming up understand it. Th you know, th it's, it's like this. You know, my son, uh, Amari, he loves in the summertime when there is a fly in the house, like one fly and it's against the window and it makes that sound. Does not like it. You know, like this, 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 this kind of against the window. Doesn't like it. So when a fly comes into the house, he, you know, he opened up the door and he's like looking at this one fly trying to get it out the house. Like he's locked in on it. He's like, get out the house, get out the house. And I'm telling my son, just by opening up the door, you're just letting more flies in than getting the one out. And sometimes we want to justify social media or phone or technology. Like, well, that's just the way the world is going. And I tell parents, I tell young people, you are literally opening your, just because of one thing, because you want to have people get in contact with you, you are letting so much into your life through this screen. You're letting people critic criticism. You're letting, you know, uh, images. And I'm not even talking about, you know, pornographic things. I'm just talking about young ladies who are looking for affection in the wrong way. I can't tell you the times I've had a conversation with someone with a young lady saying, you know, th this, this boy wanted me to send pictures of myself and I did. This is the day we're living in. And I don't say it to be shocking. I don't say it to be heavy handed. I don't, but this is a reality. And I don't, and I, listen, if I didn't work with young people and travel and see it, it's happening. I can remember I was, I was at a place and um, these parents came to me and it was a church I was at. These parents came to me and they said, can you help us? You know, we were on our computer and we found these, uh, you know, these photos, right? Just use your imagination, these photos of our daughter. Uh, that she sent to someone, they were on her computer. And this girl was just, you know, I hate to use the term like good, but like, you know, just a girl that you feel like, you know, great family, just connected to what's going on, all kind of stuff. And the parents were, were loving, they were gracious, they weren't upset, but they said, can you please uh, help us meet with our daughter? And so I did, we sat down, 
and she didn't know what we were meeting for, but I will never forget the look on her face of brokenness when I said, sweetie, your parents found some photo and she just hung her head and she quit. And why? Her response was, I really love my mom. They were searching for there forever you can't get these pictures back and this is where students are living in it's the and, I, and as we get into this when we're talking about like some bigger topics here um, there's a lot of pressing issues what we talk about in big church now that was taboo back then right like it's very common now to hear in churches uh, a sermon series on mental health Right, be mentally healthy. Depression, anxiety. Right, you hear. Back in the day, you didn't hear that, but now you hear that in the pulpit. Now, youth ministry. Right, we used to talk about dating, relationships. How far is too far? Now you're getting questions like, can I be gay and I, can I be Christian? These are big issues, folks. They want deep answers. They don't want the Bible says. Not not that they're against it. Hear me out. But they want something deep because here's why. When they ask a question about what, whatever it is, their, their sexuality, or you know, is there really one true God, is there many paths, all those kind of things, what they're really doing is they have a person in their mind. They're not asking to sure up their theology. They're asking because like, I'm thinking of something, and I want to hear what you have to say. So when you answer these questions, you have to think that way. They're thinking about a person. And here's the challenging thing. In this generation, um, and this is this is really good, but uh, this, if you are really curious, this is a Barna, uh, they did a Christian research a group, but they did a book on Gen Z. Um, it's, it's really, really good. But it says, these are the six trends Barna has identified that are powerfully at work to create the uh, ethos of the next generation. They are screenagers. Their worldview is post-Christian, and I'll repeat these. Uh, number three, safe spaces are normal. Real safety is a myth. They are diverse. Their parents are double-minded. So once again, the six trends Barna has identified that are powerfully at work to create the ethos of the next generation is they are screenagers. Their worldview is post-Christian. Safe spaces are normal. Real safety is a myth. They are diverse. Their parents are double-minded. I'm going to read something here, and then we're going to uh, get into this. Number four, I thought this was really profound, and because we're going to talk about uh, you know, some, some bigger issues here when it comes to the word and culture and youth ministry and how we tackle some of these things, right? But sec- we'll, we'll put the t- title of, you know, sexuality, right? Can someone be, you know, you know, what does it look like to be transgender? What is, you know, to be in a, you know, a homosexual style, uh, you know, a homosexual lifestyle? Like, what, what do these things look like? These are questions kids are asking. But I thought this was really profound. What it said about real safety is a myth. One of the um, key things that Barna identified within Gen Z it says, although tolerant, 
inoffensiveness of space uh, of this is for real safety isn't this it says although the tolerant inoffensiveness of safe spaces is a norm for gen z the underlying anxiety that so many experience has led to a collective suspicion that true security is unattainable or at least outside their control there is no doubt within the gen z there is a rise in anxiety depression Right, it said uh, the Pew Research, uh, Pew Research, uh, P-E-W, uh, they said that 70% of Gen Z deals with anxiety. Isn't that wild? It goes on, there's a whole thing here, but then it goes on to say this. It says, uh, complementing or perhaps exacerbating their controlling streak uh, are shifting cultural expectations about sexuality and gender identity. Not only are they collectively supportive of those who identify as LGBTQ, but as well as we'll see in a later chapter, they are also more likely than adults to personally express some level of sexual fluidity or non-binary identity. As far as Gen Z is concerned, when it comes to gender expression and sexual orientation, there is no norm, and that can be deeply unsettling. If even your own body cannot reliably represent you to the world, is anything trustworthy? Isn't it wild, listen, that this generation has the most access to information than ever before. They can have the Bible on their phone, multiple translations, different languages. They can watch videos. They can hear the best preaching in the world through their phone. But yet this is the most biblical, illiterate generation. These are tough conversations we need to have as youth pastors. And it's hard. Let me say this. This. Like, we are all on the same spot. I'm not saying kids need to, need to know the Bible more. Just stand up and just start preaching the word or, or shove down scripture memorizations down their throats, right? No, 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 no. If it only is that simple, right? As youth pastors, there's a lot more acrobatics that we're having to do to get to the student and pull them in and have discussions and talk about deep things and, and what does this look like. And give them, you know, someone's like, I don't even know if the you know, Bible's true. It's like, well, that's kind of what we base things here on Wednesday night, so we got to work on this. <laughs> But it's the original issue from the Garden of Eden. That the serpent comes, right? Genesis chapter 3. The serpent comes and says, did God really say to the eat of that tree? Because if you do, you'll know the difference between good and evil. And you'll be just like God. Information. When people feel like they have more information, they become their own God. I know you're telling me this, but I read this on the internet. You can Google anything on the internet. You'll find your, your perspective that you're looking for. You will. That's, that's the truth. But we believe the word of God is true. And if you are not reading the word as a student, as a youth pastor, it's never going to sink into their spirit. A hundred percent. But young people feel like they have more information, they have more answers, but truly, they're even more unsettled. Listen to this. So, I, I mean, in my research, I just looked all over. So this is talking about emotional intelligence. This is one of the things they say Gen Z struggles with right now. This was, this was not a Christian study. 
but this is from uh, Dr. Steven Stein. He is the founder of a multi-health system. Um, he has worked with uh, military, the government, professional sports teams. Um, he's worked with Fortune 500 companies. So like this guy right knows what he's talking about. He says, we, had lo we looked at 250,000 people broken down by generation. We found that Generation Z is significantly different than other generations in a number of ways. For example, one is independence or the ability to take actual steps. Generation Z struggles in this regard. Generally speaking, feelings of fear, trepidation, and uh, hesitance keep them from performing as you might expect. They also have more information available to them than any other generation, but relatively speaking, they're not effective problem solvers. Another difference is in stress management. They, they're much less able to manage and deal with stress. So we have a generation that has information, but is struggling to make a move in any direction. Or to just stay in the place saying, well, this is my safe space. No one can come into it because of fear. And I read something one time. It said, love casts out all fear. That's a book. <laughs> like, what book is that? That's so good. <laughs> or I don't feel like, I think that's the Bible. Duh. <laughs> These issues are not going to go away. These things that you discuss with students in your youth ministry, it may cause them to be upset. It may cause them to be angry. But you have to be willing to engage. The one thing that we have, and I believe it's so key, is we have the ability to have conversations with students. And this is, this is shocking. I'm going to get into some, some of the meat here. But it says for Gen Z, the youth culture, listen, 34, only 34% believe lying is morally wrong. Only 34%. Only 30% believe abortion is morally wrong. 21% believe sex before marriage is morally wrong. Gen Z, it says reasons church, uh, some stats about a reasons church attendance is not important. And they interviewed like non-Christians and Christians. So 64% of non-Christians said church is not relevant to them in Gen Z. And listen, this is even shocking. 46% of Christians in Gen Z said church is not relevant to them. So you almost have half a generation that says church is not relevant. And to why, they asked, you know, to why, they said, I found, uh, it says 43% of non-Christians say they find God elsewhere. And listen, 61% of Gen Z Christians say they find God elsewhere outside the church. Youth ministry, yeah! Here we are, in the thick of it, in the battle. We have a generation, it's like, I mean, like, think about that, like, 61%. That's like standing up in front of your, your church or your youth ministry, and half of them are like, I could find God elsewhere. It's like, great. <laughs> and the other half is like, yeah, we're excited to be here, but I can also find God elsewhere, too. It's like, oh, gosh, right? 
This is a demographic we're ministering to. So, so what does it look like? Um, and we're gonna have time for Q and A here, but I'm gonna give you guys some some meat here. Youth pastors, I want to encourage you with this. Don't get caught up into what's happening in youth culture at large. Don't fall into that. It, it's 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 hard not to, right? When you see, you know, the other youth group that, right, you know has like the cool lights or the cool looking graphics or like it seems like they're doing this cool stuff and you're like you're looking at your room like man we got this second hand couch and we think a rat's living in it and they got like you know, <laughs> you know they got this nice like cool looking you know spot you're like my goodness and you're counting that rat in the church attendance like hey we're counting you buddy you know it's and you just feel like this like you know right if we're honest right if we're honest we feel like this like failure like oh like my gosh we've, we've all been there if we're honest where you feel like you're preaching and you're like, or like you're talking to a student. Not even preaching, you're just talking to a student, right? You give your best, like, oh my gosh, man, so glad you're here. My mom made me come. Great, great. <laughs> like, I see you got a calf shirt on. You like the calves? I hate the calves. All right. I misread the situation. <laughs> you're just like, I'm trying to build a bridge. I am trying. Right? And then mom comes by. My son doesn't feel connected to the youth ministry. I'm like, my goodness, I don't feel connected to the youth ministry. Like, your child's like trying to break my spirit. Like, you know, it's it's like that's, you know, it could be such such a challenge, you know, in that. But don't fall into it. Don't. I want to sound really super spiritual, but I promise I'm not trying to do that. But pray. God has convicted me. How many times have I done something just out of experience and not prayer? Oh, I've done this before. God said, I didn't call you just because you've done it before. Are you praying and seeking my face? And I, like I said, I don't mean to make it sound super spiritual, like I was fasting and praying. I was walking in my house, you know, five hours before service. Let's be honest. Youth pastors, some of you are bivocational. Some of you are wearing multiple hats. Some of you are like, just be happy I made it here. <laughs> I want to be here, but just like, I got out of work later. I hit traffic, and I'm coming in, and, and you know, you, you dealt with, you know, five issues with students you know, before you walked in the door. Like, I broke up with my boyfriend. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You're, like, trying to move forward, and, and it's, like, <laughs> just just trying to get through. You know what I mean? It's like, do you follow me on TikTok? No, I don't have TikTok. You know, like, you're just trying to get through and try to give them a word. I always just say the best communicators are the heart communicators from the heart. A preacher was asked one time, they said, what does your devotional time look like versus your time when you preach? He says, whatever feeds me, I feed the people. And sometimes we aren't giving the people what's feeding us, what's giving us life. Now, right, there's, you can, you know, right, there's different things God speaks to. It's not for the masses. But there's times where it's like, you know what, man, God's really been dealing with my heart with fill in the blank. Kids, they, they respond to that. They respond to stories. That's their life. So don't fall into preaching topical messages, comparing, competing. And the second thing I want to encourage you with is get in your word. Now I'm going to give you some resources. I mean, let's be honest, right? You know, I, I saw um, a meme. It was talking about if you're reading your Bible through the year, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm in Leviticus. Oh, I'm in Numbers. Oh, gosh. You know, <laughs> it's like, 
you know, like, sometimes we read the Bible and say, okay, how does, right, what does the city care about Leviticus 4? Like, how do I make the Bible make sense to someone? For some of you, right, you're, like, I remember when I felt called to be a youth pastor, and this brings up time, I felt called to be a youth pastor, I remember just this feeling of, like, I am way out of control. And I'm not even joking. I remember sitting in a service, and I heard this pastor, you know, he's just preaching. He said, oh, I can't remember what, like, I was, like, so shell-shocked. I didn't remember what passage of scripture he was in. He said, just open up your Bibles, and I'm, we're going to read from this. I'm going to tell you the story, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, I've never even heard this story. I don't want to lead people. Like, God has this call upon my life, and I don't even know this Bible. Like, <laughs> and I began to panic. But when you read the word, right, I always just say it's not about what you accomplish. You know, it's not about what you take in, but it's about what you digest. Sometimes we just worry about consuming the Bible so much we don't take time to digest it. Where maybe God gives you a verse and you're just chewing on that verse. And you preach that verse upside down, sideways, backwards, forwards. You're like, oh, I know this verse. I've been thinking about it for weeks. Versus, hey, I downloaded this thing off this sermon, this, you know, this uh, sermon website, and I'm just you know, giving it to you guys to have some cool graphics. But what if you just came and said, hey, I want to preach you guys about evangelism because I just evangelized to someone this week and it went terrible. Let me tell you about it. Or, hey, let me tell you about something. I, I bought someone's lunch today. I had a great conversation. I was able to plant a seed of Jesus in their heart. We need to be in our words because students are asking big questions. I'm getting questions like, okay, so if Adam and Eve were the first people, Cain and Abel were the sons, where do the other kids come from? Hello. Where do dinosaurs fit in the Bible? These are the questions. And they don't want to just have conversations like, oh, yeah, here's a scripture. They want deep, right? Does God and science coexist? Can you scripturally prove these things? Big questions. But here's the great thing. There are some tools, some things to help us to um, grow in these elements. Um, but this is, this is what I would say. In your youth ministry, start conversations. Instantly. Too many times, I'm like, is it like mega hot in here? They shut those glass doors. It's like, well, we saw the devil sit in the corner with the fan. Like, ooh, it's hot in here. <laughs> I, don't see, I don't see no uh, thermostat in here, so we're just going to sweat it out. We'll, we'll open up the, uh, the doors here in a little bit. But um, the... Um, we need to have conversations now. Too many times we come in and we're saying, this is what I think about this topic, but they have questions that they're keeping in their heart because they know there's not a space for it. I don't want to come into service and they're going to tell me what I should think. Conversations in your youth ministry always look different in all different types of spaces, right? I've done small groups before. I think you have to build up a culture of small groups and that open seat, you know, op- being open and transparent, you know? It's hard when you sit in a circle. I've done it. You sit in a circle like, hey, guys, what do you think about that sermon? Like, man, how many of you have ever struggled with this? Well, I can tell you about one time that I struggled with it. Anyone else want to share? Okay. Uh, and you're like, you're trying to prime this pump and have this open discussion. But maybe you do something like you send out a questionnaire to students. Not, not to get their name or anything like that but saying, what's one thing you want to know about that's confusing to you about the Bible? 
what do you think the Bible says about your sexuality? Right, like just like ask big questions. Because it's not about saying, I want you to get, the, get you to believe this at 35 minutes on a Wednesday night. But you want to say, we're going to have an open conversation here. So maybe it's in a small group, right? Maybe you do Q&A once a month and not just every once in a while. But here's the thing. It's going to put all of us on the spot. We need to be on point. Not that you're going to know, know everything about everything. That's unreasonable. But you know what you can say? I, you know, what I say is like, I, I don't say like, well, uh, I don't know. I say that's a great question, and that's a deep question, and I want to have a deep answer for you. Let's pick it up next week. Because they say, because they say, I want to keep the conversation going. Right? Or you do the Jesus thing. What was the Bible saying about, the, you know, about homosexuality? What do you think it says about it? Right? Jesus, he always answered questions with questions. That's the move. <laughs> Jesus, who are you? Who do people say that I am? I don't know. Some say it is, some this. But who do you say that I am? Right? It, like, that's, but you keep conversation going because that's when it goes deeper in people. So here, here it works both ways. So they say, I, I don't, you know, I don't believe this about the Bible because it says this. I'll say, have you read the whole book? No. So how could you not read the whole book of something but yet know everything about it? That's a fair question. To say, like, well, I know people, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the same as reading it. If you go around with experience, everyone has experience. Everyone has a story. But if we're going to have conversation, we're going to go both ways. So if they say, I found this, print it out. Bring it to me. Let, like, let's, let's dive all the way in. Conversation. Because you know what? Gen Z is not having conversation. They're having one-way interaction. Putting something on a post and responding back to it is not conversation. But sitting face-to-face with someone, I have time for this, and I'm going to talk to you. Maybe there's times where you have your youth ministry nights. You have people who have different backgrounds. You, you maybe have someone who was, you know, maybe someone in your church who God set them free from drugs and alcohol. And say, hey, they're going to be at this table, talk about their lifestyle of drug and alcohol and how God saved them and redeemed them. We're going to talk to this couple over here who, you know, whatever. It could be lots of different things. Because now they're going with stories. They're not just saying all these scriptures. Like, there's, there is evidence of God all around. And we're going to expand the worldview and your scriptural view of things around you. You're not going to come hear my preaching and then leave, but we're going to have conversation. So we need to have conversation in our youth ministries. The second thing that I encourage you with is content. Once you start having conversations, that will help form your content. Nothing, right, nothing is worse, right? When maybe you come to a synergy session at, at, at 1 p.m. and you think the preacher's, the guy's going to talk about this, he's not talking about it, right? <laughs> right, you know? Same thing with kids on a Wednesday or Sunday night. If they're just coming and hearing about something that's not really hitting where they are and ask, asking questions, then it's, it doesn't go deep. But when they say, oh, I want to I hear what this person's going to talk about next week or this conversation's still open. It puts things in a different perspective. That's where your content will come from. Find ways to get it from kids. You know, you know, and, and listen, you know, I always say they you know, when you have when you talk about content and different things and what that looks like. Sometimes we get so caught up in and trying to look on the internet and stuff like that. Ask the people in your youth ministry. Ask their parents. 
That's where the content comes from. Hey, you mind if I talk to you about your son or your daughter real quick? What do you think is their biggest struggle right now at home? You can't get better feedback than that. You know, right, we can read the book, do all that stuff. But what's really happening in your youth ministry? And then sometimes you got to take the, like, the, the, the um, you know, break the third wall, so to speak. Where you don't have to, like, make it about them saying, hey, what's the biggest issue your friend is facing? Because if they're friends with them, then that's the same issue they're, they're probably trying to juggle with. Not that they struggle with it, but they're juggling it in their mind. Hey, my best friend just came out as gay. I, I really don't know what to do with that. Let's talk about it. Last thing is connection. It's been a buzzword in the youth community. Like, oh, they got to be connected. They got to have connection. They got to have this thing. But here's the question. What are you really connecting them to? If you're connecting them with the other believers who aren't really sure about their faith, then they're going to still be unsure about their faith. If you're just connecting them to a Wednesday night, they're just going to be connected to a Wednesday night, but nothing deeper than that. Are you connecting the dots in their world? As youth pastors, that what we, that's what we do. We're connectors. Okay, this is where you're trying to go. Okay, let's let's connect some dots here in your life to help it make some sense. I want to give you some resources here. We're going to have um, some Q and A things. So listen, um, I right like I really wish there was the um, silver bullet for youth ministry. But remember, having conversations, that's then you'll get your content, and then that's where you will then be able to connect them to something greater. The kids in 2020 are living in a blessed time. When I was growing up, and you know, I was playing too many video games, or you know, my youth pastor said like, what are you thinking to do, you know, play video games, get a job playing video games? And here we are in 2020, people getting played to play video games. Crazy times, crazy times. People, you know, getting followers on YouTube and different things like that and all of that. And kids aspire for these things. And that could be me. But see, here's even the danger with the big boys. Right? You know, back in the day, you could say, hey, I, I, we'll, we'll use this as an example. You know, sorry, really. It's like, hey, I built you this chair. This chair, it took me, you know, two hours, and this is what its parts and labor was. But Gen Z, it's, it's digital, right? And like, what is the substance of it? What is the longevity of it? You buy computers now, they don't have CD drives. You just click a button and it's downloaded. I was... Uh, reading the Forbes top like 25 earners on uh, YouTube. So who who's not familiar with Dude Perfect? Who's not familiar with Dude Perfect? Everyone know who Dude Perfect is? Okay. Dude Perfect, they do like amazing trick shots. They're Christian guys. You've seen them like just cool stuff. Like amazing, like oh my gosh, like that's like literally amazing. They were number two. So it's like I think four or five like grown men doing amazing skill and wonderful things. They were not number one. They were like at 20 million or something like that. Does anyone know who number one is? I'll take a guess. I was a good guess. He was, uh, I, forget, I think he was like four or five. Or five but yeah. Number one, 
was Ryan's toy review. Does anyone know who Ryan's toy review is? Parents are nodding their heads, yeah. Ryan's toy review was number one. That's shocking and disturbing all at the same time. So Ryan's toy review is, and the first time I heard of Ryan's toy review was about two years ago. My son is watching uh, you know, something on YouTube and on, on our TV, and I see this video come on. It's like this mom in a Spider-Man costume, just like jumping around the yard, just like, it's like, like poorly edited, nothing great about it. Like running around, her kid's like playing with some toy. I'm like, this is weird. And then I noticed it has like 2 million views. So then I was inquisitive. So I was like, okay, there's a whole bunch of these. These weird, not weird, not you know, but I'm like, I don't get it. He made $25 million in just plays with toys. $25 million for playing with toys. Then you have Jude Perfect who are doing amazing, talented things. Ryan Toy Story, she's like, yeah, I'm just playing with toys over here, you know, or it's Ryan's Toy Review, I'm like, just, just playing, just playing, but this is the digital age that we live in, so here, I want to give you some content for you guys to help you in this, I talked about studying the Bible, here's three things I want to give you, I think these are great starting points, so one I talked about a lot is the Bible Project, how many of you are familiar with the Bible Project? Fantastic. Great, great teaching there. All right. So you find that like online, the Bible Project. I think it's dot, is it dot com or dot org. I think it might be dot org. But um, uh, Blue Letter Bible. That's a website. Anyone use Blue Letter Bible? Yep. Use Blue Letter Bible. That is fantastic. When you are reading the scriptures, it'll tell you. It's real simple, but it tells you the um, actual meaning of the words that you're reading in the scriptures. So you want to make sure you, you check that out. Um, and then the other book I want to tell you is How to Read the Bible, uh, book by book. Has anyone ever seen this book? Okay. It's by Gordon uh, Fee, Douglas Stewart. Uh, Gordon Fee is actually a Assemblies of God a minister. But this literally breaks down the book, every book of the Bible. So it talks about, you know, Isaiah, orienting data for Isaiah, content. And it tells you what it's about, the who, you know, who's the prophet, the date of the prophet, you know, prophetic activity, the overview of Isaiah. And then it breaks down. Um, each chapter, so I'll walk through Isaiah, you know, chapters 1, 1, verses 2 through 5, and then it goes into, you know, um, all, like all, all the way through. It breaks it down, every part of the chapter. So listen, this book is worth a buy um, for you just as you begin to, like, look at some context and study the Word of God. So um, make sure you check those out. Um, on cultural topics, I would say there's lots of things that we can dive into and talk about. Um, but the two things I would say is people talk like they're big right now in Gen Z is right sexuality and then like is God really who he says he is type of thing and so for as far as apologetics um, obviously a very popular one is Ravi Zacharias if you've never checked out his stuff um, really really great stuff um, Abdu Murray uh, if you ever checked out his stuff Josh McDowell William Lane Craig um, Stand to Reason um, is another website that's really great and reasons to believe. So stand to reason, and then reasons to believe. So those are two different websites, but they ha answer a lot of deep questions. Um, I think those are great resources to study and like learn upon the word. And now, granted, I would start with obviously conversations first. Talk to people. What do they want to know? What do they learn about? What do they have issues with? Open up that conversation. Um, and then the other one, um, I, there's lots, but I really thought these ones were really, really great. So. In regards to sexual identity, um, Jackie Hill Perry, which is a very popular one, um, she just 
she is, I think, really wonderful. She just really like, walks through her journey in such a, a wonderful way. Um, but then the other one is called Equipped to Love. Equipped to Love. Um, you can check that out. And on their resource, I think it's like on their header, it says Ministries We Love. It says like about and like Ministries We Love. It's kind of in the sub. They have a bunch of other ministries that deal with sexual identity, like where you get counseling, people's stories, all that kind of stuff. Really, really great content. Um, the woman there who um, gave her testimony, um, it's really, really good stuff. And here's the thing. I think this gives you opportunity to have conversations with students. If we just try to attack things just from the sense of I crafted my best sermon and now I'm going to preach it, it's not going to go deep in the students. But if you're saying, hey, I'm ready to have conversation, that's where things begin to open up. That's where you begin to have open loops, right? It's like almost kind of views like being like an open app on their phone. Kids segment their lives. It doesn't work, but they try to do that, right? Have you ever seen a student or like seen like a documentary, right? Where some of us are that age, we think documentaries are great. Um, <laughs> where it's like how, right? You know, a, a classic example is, you know, um, for sorry for the for the sports analogy here, but um, on Netflix they just recently that documentary of, of Aaron Hernandez. How many are familiar with Aaron Hernandez stories? All right, so Aaron Hernandez was a very successful football player, played for the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, multi, multi-millionaire, not just like, oh, he made the NFL, like he was like successful getting paid, okay? Um, but then he ended up uh, getting caught in some, uh, you know, murdering people and went to prison and ended up taking his own life. And the, the whole thing is surrounding about how could a person literally be on the field functioning as a professional athlete and then killing people? Like, h- like, how, like how do you do that? Because sometimes when you're unhealthy, you try to segment your life feeling like these things are, are they, they can't affect other areas. So I can go to church, but I can be sleeping around. These are, these are two separate things, right? Or I can have these group of friends at school that aren't healthy for me. They don't serve the Lord, but I, I still go to church. I'm a good person. At some point, they, they blend into each other. You can't keep that up forever. And we want to help students understand that. We want to help students have some real conversations and wrestle. Not that you'll win them over. It's not an argument. It's conversation. I would say, I'm not here trying to convince you of anything. Let's just have conversation. Because they're hungry for it. One thing we have to know about church culture, sometimes we get so caught up in trying to be so cutting edge and we're just like half step behind. Oh, we need like, oh, but we don't have the budget. Now nah, we got it. Oh, lights are dead. Oh, great. All right. You know, like, oh, we, we, no, man, I got our Instagram looking great. Oh, yeah, we got, oh, oh something else. Oh, my goodness. Right? But if we could say, you know what, let's be ahead of the curve on this. Let's start having the conversations now. Why don't you think church is relevant? Why don't your friends want to come to church? Why don't you invite your friends to our youth church? If we're going to ask the questions, we also have to be ready to receive the answers. those things just having the conversations create your content and then what are you connecting them to maybe it's mentors maybe it's just videos resources hey watch this video of Jacqueline Hill Perry talking about her testimony tell me what you think you're getting them to think and you're having conversations so anyways hey does anyone have any questions I w- I'd love to answer any questions I can or bring clarity to anything I've said maybe crack a door open so we can get some air circulating in here my goodness
Any questions? Thoughts, scenarios, anything? Any resources you're thinking of? Like, hey, Nate, do you know of any resources that you would need for your youth ministry? Oh, oh, sorry, back here, sorry. <laughs> I thought I was getting out of here. No, it's good. Yeah, I think so. I'll say this in regards to like, like Life Church has great resources. Um, um, like even like um, it's called Seeds Conference, but they have great resources on their website as well of just ways to engage people. But here's what I'll say in all of it. I think as far as the engagement, I think you. This goes back to the connecting the dots. Like, how can you help? a student like scripturally connect what they're thinking about and like digesting that um i think sometimes we want them to like take the whole bible like just like like get the word in you and like there's some who you know i, I was uh, with a group of like young adults and i said you know what book of the bible do you have someone read if they're new to the faith i said right you tell them to start in and i was like wait for the answer like i don't know i'm like john you start in john right the book of john is where you start if you start them in Genesis, they're going to start reading like, oh, gosh, this is coming off the rails for me. Or I'm already having questions. But you start in John. And so I think for every person in this room, you have to know where your kids are. So in the same way, we talk about health. If someone says, I want to be healthy, that's different for every person in this room. For a professional athlete, being healthy looks way different than Nate Ortiz being healthy. I'm like, I only ate half a bag of chips today. Bless God, right? <laughs> it's like cutting down on my habits. And a professional athlete's like, you know, oh, man, you know, I, I, I didn't burn this many calories today. I'm like, man, what a life to live, right? Um, so you have to look at the health of your kids spiritually. And that's not a, and that's not a negative. That's not saying you're, like, you're malnourished in the word, but just starting. So if they're saying, I don't know if I even believe in the word of God, that's where you start. Because if you try to give other stuff of like, hey, let's talk about the Trinity, they're like, I don't even know if God's the one true God. You're like, okay, well, <laughs> where do we start? So I think once you do that, I think you then can go like to like you know Life Church, see what they have, or just you know there's resources. Um, you, even as you Google like um, stuff you can use. org is another great one. They have a lot of discipleship. Uh, they have a lot of great things on stuff you can use. org um, as far as discipleship goes. Um, but you know even like for some, it's like maybe hop on the Bible app and like start a study plan. So like, but once again, these are all ideas. But everyone knows their students best. Some, it's like, I know there was a guy, a youth pastor. Uh, I'm not a gamer, so I'm going to butcher this as I say it. But, you know, he does, like, this online gaming. But he met with his students. That's how they met. And he would just talk to them through that. Like, not like he was playing a game that was hanging out, but they would have a time of prayer before. And they'd have, like, a little devotional. And then they would play whatever it was. But that's where his kids were. And so for your students, they may feel like, oh, like, I know they have a, you know, a group chat or maybe on Instagram you do something with them or TikTok, you're like whatever it is, but engage where they are. Um, and that's
app says you've, you've used the uTaster leave leader, recognize that, okay? I'll bring these resources into their space and start from there. So, any other questions? Yeah, for sure. So I always say this, anytime we're going to talk about like anything that's like maybe a little intense, you know, like if it's something like, you know, special relations, those kind of things, make parents aware, right? It's youth ministry. You know, you have some kids like, oh, I'll tell you all about sex. Like, okay, thank you, Johnny. You can say, <laughs> we appreciate your insight and your experience, but we'll, <laughs> we'll take this one. And then you have other kids like, what's puberty? It's like, okay, it's puberty. <laughs> And we're going to get you there, all right? It's, it's, we're, all, we're all here for each other, right? So I think what you do is you want to make parents wait for them to talk about something. But then, like, you know, for, like, a junior high or, you know, senior high, you definitely do want to split them up. And even guys and girls, right? There's, there's, you know, differences there. But then what I said you want to make sure you focus on is don't find a top, something topical and then just, like, okay, what scripture is going to be underneath it? So, like, I like to take even bigger banners of, like, what's healthy relationships? You know what I mean? I think you start from that place, then you work down. So, like, when it comes to healthy relationships, I always, I was teaching at FU students, and I said, you know, when it comes to dating, I don't, I would just be being facetious talking to, when I was a youth pastor at the local church, talking to students, like, oh, Pastor Nate, I got, I'm dating, I got this boyfriend, I got this girlfriend. I'm like, oh, wonderful, wonderful. I was like, so, you know, what do you, what do you love about them? Oh, they're funny. You know any other funny people? Oh, Pastor Nate, like, you know, like, they're cute. <laughs> You don't know any other, other cute people? Passionate. I just, like, when we're together, we just like hanging out. I'm like, so you don't like hanging out with anyone else? And I would be just, you know, being over the top with it. But then I would get to the point of saying, so is it because you get to hold their hand or kiss them? Oh, man, passionate, stop. I'm like, because if you're defining a relationship by physical touch, you're already on the wrong spot, wrong st- thought process. And then I would tell them what a healthy relationship looks like. I said, who's your relationship submitted to? What do you mean? Who's keeping you accountable? No one? Don't you think that would be good? You know, if, if I talk to the guys, what does the Bible say about, you know, you know, you know, dating and that kind of stuff? And I don't even fall into the place of, like, you should be at this age to date. You know, I don't get into that space. But I'll say, you know, to the guy, like, do you have, you know, intent, you know, intent to marry? I don't know. Okay. Well, you should think about this. Right, and God talks about healthy relationships, right? He doesn't define it by the physical. He defines it by, you know, no greater love than uh, someone has than lay down their life for someone. Are you want to lay down your life for this person? Well, you know, think about it. The Bible says love your wife like Christ loved the church. What do you do for the church? You die for the church. And it gets really awkward. Then you, like, kind of walk away. I'm like, just think about it. <laughs> but we kind so take the big topics. Because sometimes, right, they get down here of like, like you know, how far is too far, or what does this look like? Well, you don't understand what a healthy relationship looks like because your maybe your family life is a mess, right? There's such attack on families, right? It's the very nucleus of what God intended it to be: fathers and mothers, right? People are struggling, guys and girls, because they get their identity from their father, but their father's not in the picture. Their father's a mess. 
They're like, I don't know who I am. And, you know, guys are, I don't know who I am. They're trying to figure it out. Then you have, you know, young ladies looking for affection for some other, and other boys, and they should look for the man of their father, but he's not there. Then you have people who don't understand the Holy Spirit because their mother isn't comforting and nurturing to them. They're spiritual. It's what God intended it to be. So now I'm preaching. But that would be my answer to your question of, like, separate them and then start big topic and then work down. I'm with you. Sure. Sure. I think people who live in like low income or poverty stricken areas, everyone's looking for their way out. So it's like some of sports, right? In inner cities, you see a lot of like, I'm going to be this athlete, I'm going to be this sports player, or some it's like, you know, selling drugs and like that, that kind of thing. So I'm just trying to find my way out of this situation. And I don't see a way out outside of this. So I think the poverty mindset is helping them understand like poverty isn't just money. And then helping them, like, what does it mean to have a rich life, right? There's people who are completely happy in life. They don't, they live in, you know, in a shoebox, and they're like, I'm just happy. So I, I think it's helping, I, th- I think, one, it's starting small and saying, okay, what do you really desire in life, period? And then asking, how, do you, how are you attain, obtaining that? Two, so, like, in this, but this goes back to the, it's just conversation, wouldn't it be great just to, like, speak to a group of people and they're all on the same page? That would be such a blessing. But that's not where youth ministry is. So when you talk a message about fathers, they're like, I don't even know my father. Or you talk about messages of saying, you know, hey, when, you, you know, you're, when you're tithing, you're like, what's tithing? It's a mixed group. So I think, yeah, I think one, it's, it's something to understand that, you know, when you see, like, poverty, it's like, what do you, what do you really desire in life? How are you obtaining it? And I think, too, is trying to expand their worldview. One thing I've noticed, like, in inner city sometimes, sometimes kids are like, I've never even left my town. I've never left my city block. And what those kids need to see is something is possible. Why do they like sports? Why do they like these athletes and, you know, musicians? Because they feel like, that's me. You used to live in the projects. I live in the projects. Why do they get? Why do young men get sucked up into people who are in terrible lifestyles? Because they're like, that maybe could be me. They're driving a nice car. I want a nice car. 
I'm going to do this. So starting small but expanding their, their, their worldview. Trying to get them outside somewhere. Sometimes it takes a little you know, investment in people. I'm the start now. Sometimes people don't receive that. Um, but there's even times where, like, I believed in the student. I saw it in them. Like, I knew it was there. I would just invest in them and say, work this back at the church. Come early on Wednesday night. You're going to help me set up. But I believe in it. You know, and I always feel like in those kind of settings, too, if you can get one domino to fall, the other ones really help. Where it's like, how you going on this trip? Oh, you know, they helped me or, like, I did this fundraiser. It's like, oh, maybe I can do that. And you're like, yeah, you totally can. Um, and help that. But, you know, it starts from the the small, you know what I mean? So whatever that looks like. And I'll say I'd love to keep the conversation going of anything I can do to help in that. But for sure, uh process <laughs> don't give up don't give up i know session's over but if you have any questions or anything like that i don't want to hold anyone here but i'm up here to answer any questions or thoughts that you may have but i don't want to make you late uh, oh and if you guys need to get a hold of me i'm on social media and stuff but um nortz at ohioministry.net if you need to email me um but love you guys thank you